Hi, and thank you for tuning in to Compound Performance Radio. We're your hosts, Matt Domney and Kyle Dobbs. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoy the show. Okay, thank you everybody for joining us on today's episode of Compound Performance Radio. Today with us, we have two guests, two people who have already been on the podcast before. We have Dr. Katie Dabrowski and Dr. Mariel Schofield. So ladies, thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, if you want to take a moment to reintroduce yourselves to the audience, now's your time. Sure. Um, I'm Dr. Katie Dabrowski. I'm a physical therapist. Um, I live in Miami and I'm a co-owner of a 100% cash-based physical therapy and strength training uh, facility. We just opened our second location, so that's pretty exciting. Um, and I also am an adjunct neuroscience professor, so I get to do a little bit of both clinical and teaching. Um, and go Canes, because my, uh, my partner here is also from Miami. Go for it. Yeah. Um, hi, my name is Marielle Schofield. I'm a physical therapist and co-founder of Monarch Athletic Club in Los Angeles. And essentially what we do is provide a one-stop shop for health and wellness, including medicine, physical therapy, strength, conditioning, and nutrition for all of our members. So um, it's pretty cool to see Katie is like one of the only other people that I know of who's doing something along the same messaging. And We've really bonded over that, and I'm super thankful for her uh, to have in my network. That's kind of surreal because we didn't really know each other during PT school, which sounds crazy. Did you guys go to the same school? Yeah. Like, oh wow! I, I was actually <laughs> going to ask that. Yeah. It's like when, only a when couple this... years apart. Yeah. So, but I mean, like, knew all of the same people, but didn't really connect during school for whatever reason. Um, and now I find that, like, I'm talking to Marielle about business and about what we're doing at old bull like the most out of anybody and we've created a bond now that she lives across the country so it's great yeah it's funny because i knew katie's partner frankie uh when i was a student physical therapist telling people that they shouldn't have their knees go past their toes when i was in my internships you know doing all of the horrible things that we learn in school um and frankie is one of my favorite people too so like yeah, I'm just, I'm obsessed with Old Bull. We feel this the same about Monarch. Yeah, Compound Performance Her is cool too. Oh, yeah. we're okay. <laughs> um, we are not, I feel like you guys, you're Dr. Squared and Matt and I are like whatever the opposite of that this is. As far away from that as we can get. <laughs> you guys There's are like a couple bros that live based on the internet. Yeah, you're like exponentially growing and we're whatever the opposite yeah. of that whole thing is. Um, no, but I, that's, it is really cool just because we obviously both, you know, we follow both of you, both of us follow both of you. And there, it is like this weird, like parallel lives thing kind of happening. Yeah. I feel like based on just your businesses, you know, I, I don't think this is a surprise, but you're both looking to expand and grow and, and all of that as well from an organizational standpoint. Um, and like the timeline is eerily similar for both of you guys yeah. growing and expanding. It's yeah. like, it's almost like one of you guys post something. It's like, hey, second club coming soon. Yeah. And the other one's like, excuse me? We're, <laughs> now it's time for us to open a second club, okay? <laughs> so yeah. to the top. We're going to be competing for like hiring soon because it's really hard to find people who fit this mold and this model um, just because it's very different from the traditional insurance-based clinic where mm -hmm. 
like we've talked about before, you're seeing multiple patients per hour. You're not really focused on strength and conditioning or lifestyle modifications. It's more just like this seek and destroy mindset of, okay, you have a herniated disc. Here's your sheet of exercises. Never deadlift again. Um, not that, I guess, time intensive and educational component that we're trying to create too. Yeah. 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 I, I think, you know, Matt and I both have a long injury. Hit. We, I think we've ran through like everything from the worst PTs to really, really good ones yeah. throughout our athletic careers as yeah. well. And I, I mean, was really lucky that my only, like my only first experience with a PT was very good. Like I was very fortunate with that one. I had some, I had some bad ones. It were definitely like the, here's the sheet in the TheraBand and we'll yeah. talk to you in like four weeks type of thing. Yeah. Do, do this as much as possible. Like no prescription, no nothing. Do a hundred of the, the abductions, the flexions yeah. and like, my PT was was actually fun because she started off with just like giving me the print off script of exercises. But then when she realized that I was doing them literally obsessively every single day, because I was a I was a competitive athlete at the time, like I was doing Brazilian Jiu Jitsu at a very high level. So when I was doing them, it was like, okay, cool. Well, I usually train for eight hours a day. So I have eight hours that I can do all of these PT exercises every day. And I will do them for the entire time. So by like the third session, I had full knee mobility and she was like, oh, cool. Now we get to just do fun stuff. And she got me like lifting and training. And like, I think I like squatted like 365 in PT and was like doing sprints and stuff like that. So like she got to have some fun with it afterwards. But I also feel like a lot of those people get like, even though the, 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 they get a really bad rap for doing that, they also have to deal with the people that like just literally do absolutely nothing and have no desire or care to get better. Yeah. So they can never progress them past that either. And absolutely. And that's something that I feel like, like Mary and I, Marielle and I get so we're so lucky because we have a facility that like people are actively seeking to come to. Yeah. And like, I'm not begging anybody to stay. Like once they come, they've usually sought us out because they've heard about us or they've had bad experiences and they know that this is something different. Um, so I don't, and same with Marielle, we don't really have the problem of trying to force somebody to stay. Um, we have the luxury of actually getting to like meet some people who are so down with the message that we're trying to send. And like, that's why no matter how busy we get, like the burnout does not feel the same or it doesn't even feel like we're approaching it because we're actually working with people who care and we see somebody, you know, through this entire course of rehab. And, and that's what's what, you know, Marielle was kind of uh, leading to, like, it's hard to find the right people for this job. Like the being able to grow is limited by finding other really solid clinicians, because we need people who are so confident that they're going to provide this expert level, next level of quality of care. Uh, and we can't have any room for somebody who doesn't, doesn't know that they're awesome. Um, and that can be hard. That's really, really hard to teach. It has to be, I think, pretty inherent and maybe it can be fine-tuned, um, but it's a hard role to fill. It's extremely rewarding and fulfilling, but it's pretty hard. One of the cool things about you guys, both of your facilities though, too, and I think that this definitely helps with the, the people that you're attracting from a member base is that they're both gyms. Like they're, they, they don't look like a physical therapy clinic, which is just a bunch of tables and that's it. 
Like you guys have squat racks and barbells and kettlebells and plates and people doing cool shit. So then the people who like have to do physical therapy work, I don't know if either of them have private facilities or private rooms for, for the stuff that you guys would probably do, but they get to see all of that other stuff and go like, I want to, I want to go do that cool shit. Like that looks fun. That looks hard. I want to go do that as opposed to just being like laying on the table and having my like knee rubbed. It's crazy how people don't really know and understand what physical therapy is and that progressive overload and strength training is a part of it. Like during the pandemic, we would have uh, the West Hollywood, I don't know, police or people who have regulated the pandemic come in and essentially question and interrogate us. Like this is, you guys shouldn't be open. This is a gym. And I'm yeah. like, yes, we have gym equipment. However, we are a physical therapy facility. We also have medicine too. So we are totally an essential business to stay open. And also this is required for what we do. Yeah. Um, so that's actually amazing. That's crazy. Yeah. That's <laughs> the same exact thing. It's crazy. We had police officers just like staring at us doing treatments, not believing that we were doing physical therapy and that we were allowed to be open. There's just like, people have no idea what we actually do yeah. like at all. So it's nice to, and I'm sure like Mariel, you can speak to this as well, to be at the point where we're obviously each expanding to a new location. Clearly people are starting to understand. So it's pretty cool when like less and less in my day-to-day -day and in all of our clinicians day-to-day, -day, we're not really selling it anymore. And we're not really having to be like, okay, but we're cool PTs. We're different PTs. We're not like the other guys. They're already coming because they know. Sometimes I still say that, but they're already coming because they know. And we like, it's, I don't, it's the greatest feeling in the world to finally not have to defend what my profession is yeah. because it's embarrassing what most of it is. So the day in day out, I'm sure you guys feel the same way as coaches or like if you watch movies and what personal trainers are portrayed as on movies just a bunch of dumb idiots and who don't know anything and you know to have to defend your profession over and over again when they paid a lot of money for is pretty exhausting yes i'm not, I'm not gonna disagree with the personal training industry <laughs> no i'm not i've oh, i've no, been to idiot. too many gyms we, where we've I've seen, seen the, we've seen the mean like yeah. way too often you know yeah no but i mean all jokes aside it is, it is hard because i do think with with both industries the public perception is so skewed from what reality is or what reality could be should that person go to the right facility right and i think that's i always think about you know and it's with personal training but even more so with you know with physical therapy i think it's even more relevant is you know, just somebody walking into one location instead of another or one facility instead of another can drastically change like what that person's outcomes and future outcomes can be, right? You know, if they don't know. And I, I mean, it kind of leads into a different conversation, but I mean, how outside of like social media and the, and the stuff you guys do there, like, how do you get the word out? I mean, obviously you get referrals, you know, but but how do you get the word out just more so to the general public to say like, hey, there is there is a better option if you truly want to not just get back to where you are, but even go beyond that, you know, from from a physical or performance perspective. Yeah, because that's the that's the coolest thing about what you guys are doing that Kyle just brought up is that it's not just return to play it is or advancement baseline. beyond yeah yeah like return to baseline you yeah know, like no we're gonna take you like higher you know we're yeah gonna maximize that yeah i think i mean for us right now we're still very small and word of mouth has been our biggest mm. 
way to get people in and to bring awareness, but also uh, just talking about what we just talked about is people don't know what physical therapy is. So even our marketing team that we just hired hasn't, we haven't even been able to really produce a lot of material via social media because yeah. we're undergoing this big educational process of like, all right, what's the right language? How do we shoot this? How do we make sure we're not coming across as overly reductionist, but we're also explaining things in a very simple way that people will understand. Um, yeah, it's, I think. And how do you visually differentiate it between that and training? Yeah. And a lot of people have um, the ideas coming into shoots being like, okay, well, like, let's get on the table, um, take them through range of motion stuff or touch them. And I'm just like, I don't want to touch them. I like, let's get up. We're going to move around. We're going to squat. We're going yeah. to basically essentially look like we're either having an in-depth conversation or we are moving. Um, because I think that really sets us apart from what is the current standard. And that's the time we get to spend discussing like beliefs, barriers, goals, um, and the movement aspect of it. But it's really hard. Like, uh, I don't know that I even have a great answer beyond social media or in-person referrals. Can you do, can you just like do your photo shoots wearing like a lab coat while you're having somebody squat in a squat rack? Because then they could tell. Yeah. yeah. Lab coat and a stethoscope. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Authority. Okay. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I agree. I mean, I think honestly, social media is probably our best bet right mm -hmm. now. I don't really know from like a larger scale how to do it because the, the vast majority of the understanding of physical therapy is still the kind of cookie cutter thing that we all think about. Um, and like the governing body for physical therapy hasn't done a great job of promoting the profession of, and what we can really do and supporting the profession. Um, so I think the, like the answer is beyond even like as practitioners and even as like small business owners, what we could do, um, to be honest, like I, that's something that's so easy to get bogged down by, but I kind of just have to keep remembering like the circles that I'm in, like exactly having people in my network, like Marielle and like so many of our other kind of in our bubble, you know, there, there is progress for mm -hmm. sure. And the fact that the referral network within, again, just our own gyms are growing so much, like there's definitely a shift happening. It's just, I think it's going to take a lot longer uh, before we see it out of the, you know, the New Yorks and the LAs and the yeah. Miamis of the world. It's just the reality of it. But I try to kind of stay focused on how much in our little bubble we're actually able to make a difference. Yeah. I mean, that's how it's going to start here. Yeah. yeah. Like it's the physical therapist that I know here in St. Louis, which is obviously like a mid market. Like it's, it's not as big of a market as Miami or LA. Um, but the two or three that I know here pretty well, like they've all shifted to cash based over yeah. the, in private, they don't, none of them own facilities, but they work out of gyms and mm -hmm. they, they lease space and they have a table in a room and they're out on the floor. And, uh, the, the, the therapist that I've seen for my need, shout out Taylor, um, the same thing. Like it's all, everything she gave me was, was training based, you know, and it's, it's all just with a little tweak here and a little, you know, and a little bit of nuance to things, but like going back to even what, you know, Marielle said, and that I really liked is somehow in both industries, training and physical therapy, strength training is now like reductionist. Yeah. Somehow, like there's this weird perception that laying on the table and getting manipulated or laying on the ground and doing something, you know, super low level is somehow more, 
is somehow better, right, or, or more nuanced or whatever than than actually loading. And you know, it again, as Marielle said at the beginning, it all everything's progressive overload. Yeah. Right. It doesn't matter if you want coordination-based changes. You have to at that point like overload proprioceptive stimulus if you want to do strength training obviously and get stronger if that's the bottleneck you have to overload intensity and volume or capacity for volume or whatever like there's no way to not do progressive overload most people just aren't overloading the right variables or the right stimulus in in my experience simple like to me it just seems like to all of us it's so incredibly simple that i don't understand how people still haven't made the shift where like as I've gotten more experience, my approach has become more and more simple. Like mm-hmm. everything has become, I'm going to actually talk to this person about what they're experiencing and say things like, oh, somebody told you you have tendon- like tendonitis. Do you know what that means? Like, did somebody tell you what that means? Like, first big of scary all, scary word. They just because they me think with they, the word. they're That's like afflicted is. and they're like, I was diagnosed with tendonitis. <laughs> and I literally just happened today and I asked I've him. I've got patellofemoral <laughs> syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> Do you even know what that means? Probably not. So let's talk about that first and like what it actually means. And it's just so simple. That doesn't mean it's not complex. It doesn't mean that it doesn't take critical thinking. Yeah. But like I argue that if you can give somebody an extremely simple but solid intervention, like that's better critical thinking than giving them a list of crazy, weird rotational drills, breathing into well, the balloon. That's just throwing shit at the wall, right? Like yeah. There's no... One of these things will work. Yeah, hopefully. something will work. Yeah. Or just deloading you why we yeah. do these things might work. Exactly. Or just replacing way. all of your training interventions with this stuff. Oh, wow, you don't hurt anymore. Amazing. And then and then you start training again yeah. and you're right back to where you yeah. were. You know, uh, it's, it's really it's funny. funny. I actually worked with somebody for my my elbow because my left elbow, um, I think the, the, the correct medical term is it has cancer. Um, it just hurts all the time when I get over a certain load, loading threshold at all times. And for a while, I worked with somebody who every single thing that they gave me to do just deloaded the bar and like deloaded the bench. And it just like, oh, it was like, wow, it stopped hurting. And they'd, be, they'd look at me and they'd go like, isn't it great that your elbow doesn't hurt anymore? And I was like, yeah, but like now I'm only benching 225 when I should be benching like 350 for the same amount of reps. And they're like, yeah, but your elbow doesn't hurt. And I'm like, but I'm weak. Like, I don't <laughs> care if it doesn't hurt if I'm really weak. I want it to not hurt while I'm really strong. This is the opposite of my goals. <laughs> Literally not what I wanted. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That elbow cancer will get you. That one's it's rough. So we have a listener out there that actually I'm sure has real elbow cancer. And I had to get canceled. Totally. They're deeply offended by, by yeah. this generalization of their affliction. But no, I mean, I think that is, that's, God, I forgot even where I was going with it. It's funny, like, because that's, I mean, I posted about this today, right? Where, and I was having, and it was based off a conversation that I was having with uh, a trainer that I mentored yesterday. And we were talking about, you know, he wrote out his model and it's this big complex thing with all the options, right? Like every single thing from a categorical perspective that he might do when building out a training program for somebody. And I told him, I was like, okay, now we're, now we're going to scale it down, you know, and, and simplifying this thing requires you to prioritize the stuff that actually matters. And this is a much harder process than just writing down all the stuff, you know, on a piece of paper and throwing everything or every potential intervention or application that, you know, at the person, 
like now you actually have to prioritize. You have to weigh these things against one another based on the client or, or the, you know, the, the athlete, whoever the patient, what they actually need and that moment in time. Right. Yeah. And I think that's what people don't understand where it's like simplifying things is not reductionist. It actually requires more nuance yeah. than just giving somebody a list of a bunch of shit to do. And, and I that's think- a huge misconception. 100%. And I think that's why the cash or the non-insurance model is pretty awesome for PT from like the standard that it's holds, it's holding the provider to, because yeah. in my, in our heads, we're thinking, I only have this one hour today with this person. What is the most effective thing I can do with them right. to show them like you're in the right place and you choosing to come here was exactly what you should have done versus, okay, I have three patients at one time. I got to throw everything at them that I can, that they can do without me so I can run to my next patient. So mm-hmm. it really like, I think something that we've become so passionate about is like, especially as we're each expanding, like we're not only just like changing the experience for the patient, but also for the provider, like be an awesome provider and challenge yourself. Like you can't be bad if you are seeing somebody one-on-one and you're charging them a a, a cash rate, like you can't be bad at your job. So that whole new generation of clinicians, that's going to be just badass, I think is another piece of the cash model that like we don't even really talk about because we're always trying to promote it why the patient should choose it but like the provider should choose it like it's such an opportunity yeah, i think that's one of the one of the things that personal training actually has done right consistently is that they make it so that you basically have to work on earning that person's money every single session or every single time they come in because if you're not providing them something good or you're not providing them value why is that person going to stay yeah so i i do I'm always, I always try, it's funny because I get questions about this, like I'm AMAs and stuff. And I'm, I'm like, you guys all know I'm not like a physical therapist, right? Uh, but Yeah, but, but you use big a, words on the internet, Kyle. Every means now you're, and then I throw means you're a, doctor. a four-syllable four <laughs> word. Um, it, that's how I get clout, man. Big words, big words and confusion. Um, that's how I run my things. But people, people will ask me about, you know, like physical therapists and whatever. And, and my experience, especially like even with, within the non-cash base and the more traditional model, like I, I really do think and from the connections I've had, like those those PTs want to do better. Like they they know that the system isn't ideal. They know that it's not some, you know, it's not the way that as they were going through PT school, they envisioned themselves seeing four people every hour for like an eight hour shift at like a, a mill, right? Like that wasn't their idea of what they were going to do. You two both being, you know, successful on multiple levels as far as one, breaking away from that, going into a, a cash-based model, and, and then two, being like business owners on top of all of that as well. What I mean, what would you recommend to them as far as like finding like getting out of that? Like, because that's I mean, one the 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 physical therapist I see here, like she just broke out of that probably about a year ago and she was terrified. Mm-hmm. Like she was absolutely terrified to like make that jump. One of the industries where I see like the most burnout out of anybody that I know, I know so many like PTs that get into what they're doing because they want to get into it for the right reasons. And then they get into like Kyle was talking about one of those just big PT mills where they're not really doing anything and they're not really having any major impact on people. And they just grow to immediately resent what they spent a ton of money on and were really passionate about doing before. Yeah, I think like, This problem stems from the educational process too. Like within PT school, you're not really taught, hey, like 
what are criterion based metrics for progressing somebody through rehab it's really like pain is your outcome measure and that's not a great outcome measure and it's not even something that they talk about how do we provide solutions to pain like even we got we talk a lot about the biopsychosocial model and like that was a one hour lecture in school do you yeah. think clinicians are prepared to get <laughs> a course and be like hey like like let's talk about your pain oh yeah it's probably because you're you have a leg length discrepancy or something overly reductionist because that biomedical model is still taught within our program. But um, I think what really helped me make the jump is the mentors that I had. Um, and I think there are a lot of really cool mentorship programs that exist. Like Andy Chen has a really cool one. Mm-hmm. Even the one that you guys have is incredible um, for any student, physical therapist, or even I guess, experienced physical therapists, because it's not what we're getting within schools, like principles of biopsychosocial models and progressive overload and how to program for people and how do we even like auto-regulate and um, know that we're training at an appropriate intensity. So I don't know. I think that if our educational institutions don't kind of shift their way of teaching, these people will not be prepared to become great physical therapists. Um, but yeah, I think having good mentorships and having people in your circle that can help guide you is a good way to make that jump into the next um, part of your career. Yeah. Well, one of my other questions for you guys too yeah. is on the education front, how much of that do you think ends up being driven by the general populace's understanding of what physical therapy actually is? versus how much the education has to be like driven towards that because like this is one of those situations where I could very easily imagine it being very chicken in the egg because the general public knows so little about exercise in general because fitness is such a new field like they've really we've re- like fitness has really kind of come into the, the into people's minds since like the 80s when videos and things like that started coming out where people you'd watch people like Ronnie Coleman train and things like that and back then it was still weird and in the 90s it was still weird and then like in the early 2000s it was still weird and now like it's it's no longer something that people do as a um as a job that's like well you're just doing this because you can't really make anything else it's like now it's a a job you can make it like a legitimate career out of so i think the perception on that is so is still so backwards where like it becomes really hard for the public to understand so like how much do you think a lot of that education could be fixed if more people were able to understand what the value of exercise even is in general? Yeah, probably. I think a lot of the education stuff um, comes from, like, I remember it was a point of pride in PT school that they told us that we would leave being really good generalists. Like, their their rationale for us taking a course like a little bit of a course on every possible thing that you could do as a PT was good because you now have exposure to everything and you can kind of go around specialties if you want to and you're a good generalist and you really learn it when you're in the clinic. So the, I think a huge push would be to create like physical therapies programs that have tracks that you go down. And if like you wanna do more sports and ortho-based stuff, you go down a program that's much more exercise physiology, energy system, program design, all of the things that like you couldn't really dive into if yeah. you were trying to make everybody a generalist because the the problem always was even in our pretty low level like 
therapeutic exercise courses, you have somebody in there who's like, well, I want to do inpatient pediatrics, so I don't need to know this. Why are we doing all the progressions and regressions of a pushup? And like, they're mad about it. So while I think it would be important to, yes, still know a little bit about that stuff, if you could select a route to go down, it would make a lot more sense. Um, but Especially given how complex the human body and rehab and like, all these processes well, I mean, actually are. That's like, how med, med school operates. Like, yeah, that, right. Like you break away and you go into your specialization after, after that more general, you know, under, I don't want to say undergrad, I guess, but that general foundation. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like why wouldn't PT be the same way? Especially looking at trying to rehab a 70 year old like geriatric versus a 25 year old NFL player. It's like, you can't year old high school athlete. Exactly. You can't treat any of those three people the same. Yeah. Yeah. And it would explain honestly, the price point for what PT school is a little bit more. Yeah. If you dove into stuff and I don't know if they just have the expectation that most people are coming in with an exercise science background. So therefore they magically understand physiology. Um, But I don't think that's the case for a lot of people. Or you, even if you did, you maybe took it as an undergrad when you didn't really care as much. And oh, now we, we talked about this with uh, yeah. Melissa Olenek. Yeah. We were talking about like Krebs cycle and import pathways. It's like, okay, yeah. I haven't even thought about that in 15 years. <laughs> right. But it's laughable that as a profession where we claim to be like exercise and movement experts, if you ask most practicing PTs right now, they probably couldn't explain exercise selection selection based on energy system, not necessarily having to get into the Krebs cycle, but they probably couldn't rationalize rep scheme versus rest and ratios they, because that's not a part of our curriculum, which blows my mind because that's exactly what we're supposed to be considering for people. So it's more just embarrassing, I think, that we as a profession don't know that stuff. Yeah, even like... Uh... In physical therapy, we are recovery specialists, right? And we've talked about this in the past episode, but we don't even learn about the pillars of recovery. And we've talked about like sleep, nutrition, hydration, load management, like any sort of stressor, like that isn't even a conversation. It's more of just like, okay, here's some soft tissue work and this is how you do it. And this is for how long you do it. You can build one code for eight minutes. And like, that's what we learn. Um, So if we are trying to make an impact in terms of an injury, but also overall health, we're not prepared to do that as a profession. We're prepared to work within the confines of what insurance dictates. Um, So yeah, it's a little frustrating. And that's, it's wild, you know, and again, I, I don't think anyone's particularly surprised by that because I, I, I think most most educational models, regardless of your profession, I think leave people kind of underprepared and they just expect you to like learn it on the fly once you're, once you're getting paid or whatever. And like, that might be fine, you know, in some professions, but like when you're stepping out to like work with humans who really need you from like a physical or injury or like rehabilitation process, like learning it on the fly is kind of a dangerous paradigm to, to be, you know, just giving to, you know, 25, 26, 27 year olds coming out of school, right? You know, I mean, that's, that's a lot of pressure. And that's definitely something where I think that's how people probably get locked into some of these systems, you know, that we've, Mm -hmm. we've thought about too, because they, they honestly, they're not prepared to go out on their own and do those things. And 
you know, the two of you have obviously just actively sought other sources of education and experiences, whether, I don't know, internships or just like you said, mentors you mentioned earlier, there's just, there's so much out there, but still if people don't know where to look, yeah, you know, you only know what you know. And I think that's, that's tough that, you know, universities or programs won't even say like, Hey, here's a list of, you know, con ed that, you know, again, like maybe we would recommend if you want to go into X, Y, or Z based on given, given that, like I have a, a former, uh, a friend and a former student of mine who I used to work with in when I used to teach martial arts, who refused to send his son to college because he was like, well, what is he going to, he's going to come out not ready to go. He's not, he's not going to be able to come out of any major prepared to actually do anything. He went, he, he literally sent him to, he found a bunch of like long internships and certifications and stuff to, for the field that his son wanted to get into, into, paid for every single one of them, ended up spending like 20K on certifications and seminars as opposed to spending $100,000 on school, on like college. And his son was immediately prepared for work and got a higher starting salary day one of his job because he was, oh, you have relevant experience. Cool. Great. Yeah. Yeah, and teaching like actual real world skills too. I mean, we're not at all promoted the idea in PT school of like starting your own business or seeking out any option to do that or learning about the cash pay model or any of that. So, I mean, luckily we do have some phenomenal faculty members who like helped me quite a bit when I would meet with them privately after I graduated about what I was doing. But there were a couple of people who said, cause I started a practice immediately, which was terrifying, but I was like, I'm doing this. Like I'm, if I don't do this now, I'm going to take a job. I don't like get stuck in it. It's always going to be a side hustle. If that, so I decided I was just going to go for it. And I, one of a couple people were like, yeah, we don't really think this is a good idea. Or we usually don't suggest that new grads do this and which is you know fine I I get people's perception of it but it's like when you don't feel at all when you finish a doctorate degree that they're still like yeah you shouldn't do that yet well then what were we preparing for (laughs) like why I have these letters after my name now and I've done everything that I'm supposed to do isn't this the point like don't you think this is what we should be doing next so it's it is frustrating when you don't feel like you have maybe the support of people who try to tell you like you're learning everything you need to go you're you're ready and clearly they don't think you are yeah yeah i remember even in my pt school interviews at miami i talked about this collaborative kind of multidisciplinary model and i won't name names but the professor who interviewed me said that that will never work and he basically said that that's something that insurance would never pay for and i'm like i, I we cannot have insurance then like Like, cool i don't want to do insurance anyway it sucks (laughs) (laughs) that model's stupid (laughs) way to shut down my dreams man like i haven't started yet um yeah it's wild that's 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 a lot of oof right there and yeah (laughs) that's rough um yeah I, i mean it's just it's such a yeah i the two of you are doing and you know amazing things from that perspective and i think it is showing people there is a better way you know as far as you don't have to do that traditional route you can go into a cash-based model and work for yourself or work at a facility that's a cash-based model you know from that perspective and there are opportunities out there are there is there like do you have additional like networks 
you know, like even informal ones outside of just, you know, friends from the internet? Is there like anything that you, you all do with other like-minded business owners? Um, not, not really within LA. There aren't that many, at least like brick and mortar or companies that we know of at the moment. It's mostly like who on the internet has created our own kind of island of people yeah. who think the same yeah. um, and bouncing ideas and communicating with each other. Um, I think like off the top of my head, another company would be Barbell Medicine. Mm-hmm. Um, they're phenomenal uh, in putting out really great information and just combining all of the approaches together. But yeah, that's really the only one I can think of. Yeah, agreed. I think that's where the the good side of the internet comes in because it can be as simple as I'll put on my story, say, all right, any one-on-one, preferably cash-based PTs in X area, DM me, or if you know of anybody. And I've been able to refer patients that way so easily just from doing something as simple as that. So I think like if you kind of curate, just like we all do, right? We curate our feeds of who we are interested in, who we want to follow, who we respect. Um, That's the best way to network, I think. Um, And again, just like finding like-minded people kind of across the country, because there's always an opportunity. Like I've gotten patients myself from people, from PTs that I follow that I've never met in person and vice versa, just because I like what they're doing. I know what they're about. Um, But I, I mean, I think a, probably a more formal network opportunity would be pretty cool, but that does, it is pretty much like what barbell medicine does. They're, they're good. Given what you guys are talking about with your frustration with the education that PTs are receiving um, and the fact that like, like with Marielle, how they are just kind of like crushing your guys' dreams when you guys are before going you, to, before you even start, before you even start, <laughs> would, would that be something that you, either of you guys have interest in, in figuring out a way to provide two PTs and two grads is like a, like a service where you guys can like kind of show them the ropes of how to develop a cash-based business or how to make a cash-based business successful on their own. Mm, I haven't thought about it from the business side of things, but um, certainly from the educational side of things. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that would be the first place to start because yeah. like, that's the scare. That's probably one of the scariest things for all the, for everybody who's going into it is they get, all of this education and they realize that it's like they they know as because like you guys know this too what was the first thing that you said when you were talking about your internship you're like i was teaching everybody to not squat with their with their knees over their toes which we knew was wrong like even uh even the the girl like the girl that i work with the woman i shouldn't say a girl she's old enough to not be a girl but (laughs) like when when i when you know when i booked my console with her like she she had me pay via venmo yeah Right. I'm like, I'm like, oh, this isn't even like ACH. Like you need to get like a proper payment processing system. And, and all, yeah. like, you know, I'm like talking to her, like in the gym, I was like, oh, you need to get like Stripe or Square, like something yeah. more secure for your business, you know? And she, you know, but this is all just like the little things that, yeah. you know, when you're going out and starting a business, especially if you're just like, you need to start making money that you don't think about, you know, right. Yeah. That because these other processes, they're like, okay, well, I have to get an EIN and I got to do payment processing and I got to do, you know, business checking and accounting and all of these things. And it's like, even those things, like, that's what we talk about with our like mentorship people, like, cause it, it's a lot of coaches that are trying to leave like the Globo gym world yeah. into, you know, being, being a private coach. And it's like, 
okay, we need to set this stuff yeah. up before we even talk yeah. about it. Like, cool, guys, make... what's your plan? They're like, I'm just going to have people hand me wads of cash. It's like, yeah, that's it's never, like not, that's not, not how it's going to go. Like, yeah. None of us are taught that stuff yeah. either, yeah. like at yeah. all. So I think there is a huge opportunity. I think like my business partner and I have discussed down the line doing some, some con- like consulting for stuff yeah. like that. Um, to be honest, I just, would not have time yeah for sure yeah yeah you guys are in the middle of expanding out and building a little empire for yeah yeah but it would i think it makes a ton of sense especially the stuff that like that's the stuff that stresses everybody out when you start to realize oh i need this tax id number i need this account i need this inspection i need all of these things that's the stuff that's terrifying and stops people from ever thinking that it's and if you just sit down and have like a list of what you needed it's not as bad as you think and it but getting over that hurdle is just so much anxiety for a lot of people um but there's a lot of that back-end stuff like I'm fortunate that my business partner went through the 10,000 small business Goldman Sachs program when he first started Old Bull um before I met him and before I brought the therapy side to it so from a business standpoint, like I've learned so much through him of how to set stuff up even beyond what I like had to self research when I was first starting. So I think there's like a big missing link of the business and the clinical side yeah. for being a physical therapist and like the selling. We're never taught to sell because we are taught in school. Okay. You're going to be inundated with insurance people yeah. who have contracts and you're just going to be given patients. So like a huge thing that I have to coach people on when they join the team is okay. This is how you sell physical therapy. This is how you sell like the service that we're providing because nobody's just being told to come here by their insurance company and they're mm-hmm. grudgingly walking in the door and yeah. doing a lot they're of actually that. being told to go across the street. Yeah. To, to the right. other place. Yeah. Don't yeah. go there. Actually, don't yeah, go to Ogle. Please <laughs> avoid them. Yeah. They're going to charge we want you money. your money. Yeah. yeah. That's a soundbite for yes, that. Yes, we <laughs> want your money. <laughs> I think it's interesting too. People are afraid of cash-based practice because they think it's going to be so expensive. Yeah. Um, but really, they're not aware of the fact that within an insurance-based model, you're paying a copay. Mm-hmm. It's all dependent on whatever plan that you have. Um, and then you may be in physical therapy for X amount of time, but your insurance may have stopped reimbursing at this date. Yeah. Maybe yeah. nobody let you know, and then you're stuck with a huge bill uh, because they denied a bunch of your claims. Yeah. You don't know until the end. Yeah, you don't know. It's a fun little end. surprise. Yeah. yeah, it's like at least with cash-based PT, you there are no hidden fees. You're paying yeah. everything up front, mm-hmm. and you get the actual time and personalized care that you're probably seeking. So, yeah, I think that there's a lot of just misinformation about the differences between what is cash-based PT, what is in-network PT, and like why you should choose one versus the other the craziest thing for me going with that is like especially in the areas that you guys are located in i know that there are some other uh fairly high-end gyms or there's one fairly high-end gym chain in that area where the people will have no second thoughts about dropping five or six thousand dollars on a personal training package but then you go to like a cash-based pt business and they're probably like oh i i can just go through my insurance instead i think this is going to be more useful for me it's like bro, you tore your ACL. Like, why would you want to go through the cheap one when you could go like and spend something more and go through something better? <laughs> What's wrong with you? We're just taught to think that like, you, okay, I pay for insurance, therefore I must use it. Yeah. And people like Marielle was explaining too, like 
even if you actually calculated, let's say you're going to a traditional clinic and you see your therapist for 15 minutes because you're now shuttled off to a mm -hmm. tech. So think of how little amount of time you're seeing for that person and actually what you're paying for 15 minutes versus an entire hour with actually the doctor of physical therapy who's curated your entire program and has never handed you off to anybody else. And I often, there's so many people that I work with that for a lot of things, I say, give me four to six weeks. You see me once a week and I'll give you stuff to work on and you're going to be fine. Like you don't have to come here that often. If you do what I tell you outside of here and if you really work when we come in here and we're changing mindsets and we're really creating like the behavior change that's going to foster more pain reduction anyway, like you're going to be good. So in an insurance model, you're basically, okay, three to four times a week for 12 weeks. Your copay is going to add up to more than what our hourly rate is. So I, I just want to tell you in high school, so I, I hurt my knee in high school and had to do rehab, obviously, physical therapy. And I had to ultrasound myself on multiple <laughs> occasions as a 15 year old. <laughs> With a torn meniscus. Oh, that's fantastic. There's yeah. so many things wrong with everything. I had like that. That's what I'm saying. Like they were, I went to this clinic and they were so, so short staff. Like I'd, you know, walk in, I'd be on crutches and my little straight leg brace and they'd take it off. They'd make me stand on like a wobble board for five minutes. And, and then I'd do a few like banded exercises. And then, you know, after 15 minutes, I'd literally be like, okay, you know how to do this, right? And they'd hook up my stem. And I do ice and stem and just kind of sit there for another 20 minutes. And then I'd have to ultrasound myself afterwards. Kyle, if only you just sent yourself some healing blue light instead. Yeah, dude, that's, <laughs> that's, that's a joke that's not going to play at all. With I know, but it's going to play for everybody who listens to who's in the standard, but, which is great. <laughs> but yeah, like as a 15 year old, I was ultra, I didn't even get a tech. Yeah, wow, we were really cutting costs in that. It was, yeah. it was like, look at the time they framed it really well. They're like, yeah, this is super cool. You're gonna learn how to like. And 15 year old you was probably like, hell yeah, this is I awesome. Like, I love yeah, that. Like my, my school was kind of cute. I was like, yeah, yeah, I can do this. Like, sure. I can totally do this. <laughs> yeah, I got you. Let me show you what I got. Yeah, they probably yeah, built like six codes too for that. Oh treatment. god, I'm sure yeah. I got billed for my for doing it myself it was yeah 100 percent skilled <laughs> services <laughs> yeah that's crazy that's uh i mean that that was that was like late 90s so, so we'll yeah. we'll give people just it is what it was give them the benefit of the doubt of being able to do stuff like that and bill obscene amounts of monies yeah. to insurance companies that was like the prime time so you were in it <laughs> that would have been like 99 like literally my yeah. literally my sophomore year of high school um but yeah I, I, that's obviously an extreme case but yeah it, it is a good point though it's like if you're paying for all that insurance and you're only seeing your you know your provider for 15 minutes and then yeah. you're probably or potentially at least getting retroactively billed for way more money yeah. too but it, nobody talks about that yeah because everybody looks at that as just the length really of the hard. visit itself like right. well, I was at the physical therapy office for an hour and everybody here must be qualified. And I don't even think, you know, if somebody, so somebody maybe goes, gets injured, goes to, go, has surgery, consults with their orthopedist, gets set up with PT. I don't think that orthopedist is all just saying, okay, so your expectations are you're going to see this person for like 15 minutes, you know, yeah. like, not I don't think that's what they're yeah. selling. Like, I don't yeah. think that's what they're giving. So but then it's no wonder, like, knowing. 
we can't blame the general public and physicians for not thinking that we know what we're doing. Like if that's what you're exposed to and you're used to as a physician, even prescribing physical therapy and checking off ultrasound, e-stim, heat, range of motion. Mm -hmm. Like they're like, yeah, this person is so dumb. They need me to give them this list to do what they need to do to make this person better. Like it's no wonder people don't know (laughs) what we do. It's just, it's crazy. That's why it's so cool that, with like for at Monarch, I mean, talk about an educational opportunity for all of your clients to see a physician working hand in hand with the yeah. DPT for an understanding of like, okay, here's what is an appropriate thing as a medical doctor for me to deal with. Now I'm handing off the rest of this to my DPT who knows exactly what to do and they don't need me to tell them. And you're working collaboratively, not from a hierarchy of yeah. physician and then your minions do what you say. Right. That's why I think it's so impactful and so unique with Monarch. Yeah, yeah. I can I can confidently say that uh, when I had my when I did my knee. So I when I was 22, 20, 23, I did I tore my right ACL, MCL, LCL, medial, lateral, meniscus, all at the exact same time. Um, and when I went and got my knee like checked and everything like that. I went to the hospital for a special surgery in New York and my doctor straight up said, you're not doing surgery. I do not want to have you, I don't want to cut you into this one. I'm going to send you to physical therapy. And if he had known what my physical therapist was going to do before she started like saying, fuck this paper, I'm going to go have fun. He would have been absolutely mortified because like, I know that guy, like I know him well, and he would have been disgusted with the way that it was going to go before she took it on her own to go. Nope. This is a stupid, this is not going to be helpful. Yeah. Yeah, I think this it's hard because again, like I I think the papers obviously relate to like the lowest common denominator, yeah. you know, from from a lot of cases, right? And that's where again, that's the whole don't let your knees go over your toes or like, you know, doctors or physical therapists saying like, yeah, you probably just shouldn't like squat or deadlift because I think there's also this assumption that hey, we also live in America where 70% of the population doesn't do anything. Yeah. Mm-hmm. that you know we're going to go to the lowest common denominator be ultra conservative and hope that we can get this person mm-hmm. back to just a baseline level of health and not worry about progressing them further right from that you know or, or not risking them doing something maybe that I, I don't know would be riskier based on their abilities or, or whatever right so it's yeah. like i can see that side of it sometimes too and it's just it's a it's a conundrum right where you yeah. don't get enough time and you don't get enough education your client base is honestly probably disinterested in training more often than not you yeah. know that disinterested well, and probably also a little scared from everybody's narrative yeah. like oh don't do that you'll, how many times have you guys all heard from people who've never lifted before oh don't do that you'll blow your back out it's like right. no <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah yeah, it's, yeah, yeah my dad used to say that all the time we'd be lifting in the basement and he'd be like what are you doing and i'm just like that's everybody. That's every gen yeah. perception. Yeah, that's that's tough. And, and I think we actually, we probably talked about this with both of your individual podcasts too, but it, it is a vicious cycle and it's something that it's going to take a lot more time probably to fix. Yeah. And like from a global education standpoint for all medical professionals, like it's also a ton of physicians who have no idea, like mm-hmm. rehab timelines, who have no idea, like actually about diagnosis for a lot of this stuff, because they do 
like a lot quicker kind of orthopedic assessments and they don't do kind of the full gamut of testing that like a physical therapist would do or they were taught that like your disc is jelly and if you bend forward it explodes so like so much of it is just education from like every possible avenue in the medical field which is exhausting like again like how do we even address that how do we even teach other medical providers what each of our responsibilities are and like the reality of the human body not being fragile like it's you know it's it's all ends of the spectrum so how are you going to take on the responsibility of changing the industry altogether yeah i was going to say like we don't we don't need a brand question we need to be like how do you fix this on on the two of your shoulders i mean i feel like what you guys are doing at a local level is starting right and like the, the good thing about the way that social media is and what social media is doing for both of you is it's allowing that message to be spread a lot more because I see like Katie or Marielle, when you guys like make a, like a, like a story rant that gets shared by everybody that I know all over, like all of the the strength coaches and people that I know share that immediately. Or like when you guys make a really good post, same thing, all of them like, like shoot that stuff out. So I think that's helpful because then they get to disseminate that information to their clients but like, what else can be done? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. We don't uh, have the answer. Yeah. <laughs> we'll find out. We can just yeah, keep sharing our rants. Yeah, and, and keep honestly. Opening, keep opening more locations yeah. in different areas and spreading out that way. It, it does remind me of like that old, uh, like saying, I think it was actually for like recycle, reduce, reuse type stuff, but like think global, act local type thing where it is. Yeah you know, you, you start within your own community and you branch out mm-hmm. you know, the best that you can. And, you know, because that's where your circle of influence or your locus of control actually is, you know, from that perspective and social media gives you a broader base, you know, but it's still like, like what you said, it, we all have self-selected networks at this point. Like it, it is what it is. You know, it's, yeah. I know the majority of people that follow me, follow me because they already agree with what I say for the most part, yeah. right? Like that's just kind of the way it works. Um, but it, it does, the more things are shared, the more things get out there, the more people that you can reach, hopefully. And I think that that is, that is an advantage that 10 years ago, no one Wasn't had, there. Yeah. you know, and that's, that's pretty big. I would love to see it though. If you guys open up a clinic in a new city, if you guys just went and challenged all other physical therapy clinics, to like a PT off, like who can fix people? Fast? You should have like a, like a, a PT games. That would be, yeah, yeah honestly. Because then from there, you could guys could just recruit the ones who do the best from the other people. Yeah. Say, hey, we'll pay you more. Yeah. And your life will be better. Yeah. That's how you get all your, that's how you yeah, get all you your go. future employees. You just get the hand select the top performers yeah. in the PT games and get them. So we turn it into like Scottish yard games, but for PT. Perfect. Yes. That'd be awesome. Because then like yes. you guys could sit like in the stands up on like a big chair and just be sitting there just watching all of them compete and then be like oh yes you you have exceeded what i thought you could do you will come with us now <laughs> Mary, I remember you were looking for some help with marketing here it is there it yeah. is done <laughs> yep i need this i won't um, even charge you guys for that there you go that's yeah, that's a free one that's a freebie first <laughs> one's back. free you'll come back for more though for, we got <laughs> ideas like this everywhere yeah the thing is though if i told frankie he'd be like we should make shirts. He'd be. <laughs> I was just watching like like House of the Dragon and uh, the the new Game of Thrones, and like yeah. the biggest thing they do is a tournament to find out who's going to be like the new 
uh, King's Garden. I was like, that would be a great idea for physical therapy. You guys should do that. Yeah, you guys get to sit up in the box. <laughs> yeah. And then you have, yeah, then you got people just competing out on the on the grounds and you just roll with it. And yeah, the winner perfect. gets to stay. Yeah. The loser gets to go back to the old school medical model. Yeah. That's just the way it's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> they're on the they're the they're team insurance we gotta send them yeah i gotta get you out of here they're polo they're in the polo crowd it's cool yeah, they're definitely wearing polo nothing more demoralizing than being like a 27 year old woman on her internship wearing a khaki and polo outfit like I look like a camp counselor. Like there's nothing <laughs> I can do. You have a clipboard too, so you do. Yeah, and a lanyard and everything, so you do look like exactly a camp counselor. The, the name tag. The yeah. Name tag the whole thing. Just yeah. Did it. you wear like the Brooks PT shoes though, or like did you get the? No, oh, you did. Okay, she's laughing. So or the of new, course she the did. New, the New Balance. The New Balances. The new, the new balance. Yeah. I didn't do New Balance. <laughs> We call those the respiration specials here. Yes. Because they were like oh the, yes. the PRI shoe of choice. The PRI 8000s. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we just lost all PRI viewers. Oh, uh, no. I, no. We've, we've been in systematically being like losing all of those people no. since 2020. But so we're good. It's honestly, though, and this is not related to anything, but it's like when you can pick out a system by the three pairs of shoes that they yeah. wear because of the, because of the references and air quotes, like they do it to themselves at that point. Or I'm just like, oh, cool, we got we got the we got those Brooks, we got those New Balance, and then there's like a pair of Asics. Yeah, and it's yeah. like they all wear the same shoes, and then they complement each other on their shoe choices, and it's like this weird my big shoe is at it again yeah i'm just like (laughs) what are we doing what are we doing so i think we are coming up on about an hour so i think that's that's about we don't want to take up too much more of your guys time um so thank you guys very much for both for both joining us i think this was a I think this was a good one because it's, it does, you guys have done a really good job on all the podcasts we've done with you and from the stuff that you guys have spoken about, about like just highlighting the actual realities of what traditional physical therapy is and also showing people that there is something better that they can do if they want to do it. So I think that's, that's something that's really useful because I know, like I have spoken personally to a bunch of people who are in physical therapy who have straight up said, man, I wish I was doing what you did because like you just have, your life is so much more fun. It's better. I wish I never went this route. So I think it's a, it's a very useful thing for people to, to hear that there is something that they can do that can get them out of that mill and out of that area where they're just getting burnt out and crushed by the same repetitive, boring insurance-based model all the time and have them do something that's more useful. So thank you guys very much for joining us and like giving out that information for, for today. Yeah, absolutely. It's always fun. Yeah. We love you guys. You're the best. <laughs> if you, if you guys would like to be found, where can people find you? And if you guys have anything else you want to pitch, go for it. This, this is pitch time. Pitch time. I know. I feel like I feel like my upcoming book. Um, no, <laughs> my Instagram is KT Dabrowski and our business um, is Old Bull Athletics. So, and we have some phenomenal practitioners on, on the team where, who are also fabulous to follow and you can find everyone through old bull athletics. Yeah. Mine is Marielle.dpt on Instagram and then Monarch clubs. 
And then same thing, we have some really great clinicians too, and they're all just phenomenal. So except Parker, he sucks. Except Parker, yeah. We, yeah, we he sucks. <laughs> great, great content all around though, from from again the people that work with you and the, yeah. the, the facility pages and everything else. And you're not gonna plug your neuroscience book, Katie? Is that still that's a thing, right? You're still writing that? Uh, 12 volume uh, exploring <laughs> neuroscience. <laughs> not yet. That's when that's when I've made it. Yes. All right. Yeah. Well, thank you so much for coming on. It's always, always a pleasure. And um, yeah, we'll have a round, we'll have a round two or I guess three at this point, you know, at some point yeah. also going. Yeah. So. Yes. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in to Compound Performance Radio. If you liked this episode, please be sure to like, share, subscribe, and drop us a review. We'll see you next time.